Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. Hail fellows and fellow Linas. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land pre-roll for episode 173. It is almost the end of April. Hopefully that means it's almost the end of this lockdown nonsense that continues to plague society. But since it is not yet the end of April, I want you to take part in our fundraising event that is going to be benefiting Gret Glyer and Donors See, the work that they're doing to directly impact people that have been affected by the COVID-19 virus. And as such, 10% of all monies that we get this month will be going to Gret and Donors See. So please sign up, go to patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. You can get on board for as little as five bucks and get all of our bonus content. The extra episodes of Do Nothing Man, because there are two that have not been released to the public and I'm trying to over-index for the Pride members, as well as Degenerate Gamblers, Conspiracy Corners, extra bonus content that we're putting out just willy-nilly here and there everywhere. So join us, won't you, at patreon.com forward slash Lions of Liberty. Welcome to Electric Liberty Land, here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Hey, welcome aboard, everybody, to Electric Liberty Land 173. All the show notes for today's episode can be found at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL 173. And I hope that you listened to, enjoyed, shared, spread the word, spread the laughter, Do Nothing Man versus the COVID Conspirators, which uh, came out yesterday, Tuesday. Hope you downloaded that. That's, of course, my libertarian superhero uh, that I do all the writing for, all the voices for. Have a hell of a time doing it. It's a lot of work, but I love it. As I love all of you, my little liberty children, little foster kids running around in the streets looking for extra liberty like Oliver Twist. May I have some more liberty, sir? Yes, you may. <laughs> yes, you may. Um, anyway, I want to start the show off with a clip from one of our Pride uh, shows, for just for the Pride only, which is called Degenerate Gamblers. That's with me, John Odermatt, and Rico. And basically, it's a show where, first and foremost, we just kind of shoot the shit, uh, share a lot of very funny stories from our lives, from the past, present, and likely future. Uh, but also, we get into different topics, as well as gambling. You know, we did a uh, NFL draft special where we're trying to trying to project who's going to go where and bet on it, because God knows there's no sports to talk about right now. But we also talk about some general topics, and we got into the latest COVID news. So I wanted to share that clip, because I figure that's going to be a little bit more fun. Also give you some insight into that bonus content that we do roll out. And then I'll come on back in and continue with the topics for today's show, which, of course, a lot of that is going to be COVID-centric. Uh, but I'll get into some other topics as well. So here you go, a little degenerate gamblers for your ear holes. The only monster here is the gambling monster that has enslaved your mother. I call him Gamblor, and it's time to snatch your mother from his neon claws.
I, I was at the park yeah, this afternoon. Overrated. It's a pretty good, uh, nice day here in Cleveland. And I think people are over the, the social distancing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're like, so fuck too. this. Yeah. Um, like, the ten- like, I was playing tennis, not well. And <laughs> the ball went like twice, the ball rolled off the tennis court while people were walking by. And they like picked up the ball and threw it back. And I'm like, yeah. I don't really care. Would. You spit yeah. on the ball before you threw yeah. it back. <laughs> yeah. So, well, yeah. I mean, well, I have idiots like our friend. I, is saw, like, I saw that post. Oh, my God. And I heard co- friends comments like, what's wrong with people? It's like, what's fucking wrong with you? Yeah. What's wrong with you that you want? So uh, what, she, what did the post say? I did not see this. So and I'm assuming our listeners are not following me either. So yeah, I know. I know. Well, I was going to explain it. So she posted a post at the at the, the beach walk in Santa Monica, which is like a big, long stretch, open like boardwalk that you walk to the beach, uh, a long stretch of like running and jogging pads and bike paths, right? And apparently, the Santa Monica police closed the bike paths and closed the running paths down now. Just fucking bullshit. So she goes, well, they finally closed down the bike paths. Like, as if, as if this is some good thing that people cannot go outside and still socially distance as much as you want riding down a bike path and going to the fucking beach and standing on it. And of course, so I responded, fuck the police, uh, letting her know that she's a moron and I don't agree with her. And Rico saw the post as well. And But it, to see these people cheering on these other assholes, like, yeah, good, ticket them. What's wrong with people? It's like, fuck you. Go fuck yeah. yourself. Just live in your fucking bubble for the rest of your life. Yeah, you, you can know, quarantine I mean, yourself. You know, no one's forcing you to go to the fucking beach. Well, the, the interesting thing coming out now is like a fifth of the deaths of COVID are nursing homes. So that's yep. one fifth. Yep. A large majority of the rest of that is people who are people who are overweight. And mm-hmm. is the government afraid of coming out and saying if you're fat, you have a, a good chance of dying of I mean a, a chance of, a better chance, a worse chance, whatever, of dying from COVID? Well, also, let's not forget that uh 25% are the of the people that have died from COVID are people that they assumed have died from COVID that they just added on to the official tallies. Don't forget they that make, little gem make too. more money. Yeah. And then the, that shit. We're just going to, we, we think these people died. We're just going to add 3000 people to the death total. Oh, great. Good job. There was some, I think it was a Stanford professor that did like a uh, analysis of loss of life years instead of loss of life, because, you know, we're right, talking yeah, about, yeah. I think it was one half of the people that died in the UK were expected like they had conditions where they would have been expected to die by the end of the year anyway so it was like we're talking about two or three months here yeah Um, exactly the elderly people cancer people like it's just it's just idiotic and then um also did you see that they did like there were other these other studies that came out that showed that the actual infection rate is something like 85 times higher we've all been exposed to it all got it it's it's insane to think it wasn't in LA in December. By December, it's like having genital warts. Everybody's got it. <laughs> HPV. Just keep fucking. HPV. Yes. It's just like HPV, which is. is genital warts. Just keep I remember. I got. Has it. I got shit when I was working in LA because people were talking about that. I'm like, everyone has that. <laughs> yeah, literally. Talking about. I'm like, it's like 85 percent of the people nope. in the world have HPV. Yeah, a, 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 at least 85 percent of sexually active people in the yeah. world. So. Yeah. The nerds don't have it. Comic-Con got canceled, so the nerds are have an even worse chance of getting it now. <laughs> Fuck everyone. I'm so angry. 
There you go. <laughs> There's an insight into degenerate gamblers. Uh, a little bit more hardcore topics than we usually get into on that show. Typically, it's more uh, lighthearted, frivolous, fun, name calling, and as I said, stories from the past. But, you know, we're talking about the latest news. And I saw that the LA County uh, numbers now, in the latest study, the latest projections, because all the data we're using have been, has been totally wrong. You know, we shut down the economy based on bad data because God knows our politicians always have to do something immediately and jump on this shit when we don't know what's going on. They don't have good data to operate off of. They don't know what the actual story is, but they go ahead and shut down the economy nationwide. We shut down the economy. And now it's looking like 85 times the number of people have it. And in LA County just saw this today. Now they estimate that where they thought it was something like 7,000 people had it. Oh, you know what? Turns out they actually think that over 200,000 people have it. And I'm going to guess that that's even way, way under the actual number since people are asymptomatic and most people aren't going to show it, aren't going to know it, or are going to recover over it very quickly, move on with their lives. So all of this debate over whether or not we should reopen the country seems to be pretty much fucking moot. Should just go ahead and move forward and do it. Anyway, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but following up that clip, because it's important to talk about what the latest data coming out actually is. The hilarious thing is we mentioned that the CDC is now counting people that they think died of coronavirus in the actual death tolls. This is people that are included despite not having tested positive for the virus, but had showed signs of being virus positive. Now, you also heard Rico talk about the fact that we're, you know, let's talk about the years that these people would have had anyway. A lot of them would have died no matter what. So we're just tacking on random deaths. We're just presuming deaths. How does that help? How does that help anything? We're trying to get accurate data and we're just tacking shit on here. I mean, Christ, are we virgins trying to brag about how many chicks we banged? This is idiotic. Now, granted, I'm sure the CDC has a lot of those people that have not ever had sex. Nerds in caves developing viruses. And by the way, if you're out there and haven't had sex and you're a nerd, don't worry. I mean, shit, we've all been there. You can't all evolve into a a liberty-leading man about town, as Odie and Mark and I have. Howie's still somewhat of a, a weirdo. But anyway, you can just see, like, this is unbelievably frustrating. As we try to get a grip on this, and it's not just the CDC, the local, I mean, local governments are doing the same thing. Like I said, 3,000 earlier, because I think it was like New York had tacked on like 3,000 deaths to its tally because they thought that people might have died from it. It's absolutely foolish. And especially considering the fact that now that we know that hundreds of thousands of people potentially have this virus, maybe more people have died. But at the same time, that also lowers the, more ba- uh, the mortality rate so drastically that this is now far below flu deaths, far below virtually anything. If the majority of the populace can catch this thing and have no goddamn idea they ever had it, well, it seems like it's something that affects a very small minority and that the majority of us should go about our daily lives, should not worry about the economy, should not worry about going to work, should not worry about putting masks on everywhere we go, should not worry about sanitizing our hands and and getting tested and all this other bullshit. Because it's purely unnecessary. But in the meantime, we're still being convinced by the media. And by the way, Bill Maher, who I'm not a huge fan of uh, anymore. uh, I used to like him when I was a little younger. But Bill Maher went out, had a clip where he's talking about how the media needs to stand down. That they need to stop with this pandemic porn, which is exactly what it is. And stop scaring people. 
But they wouldn't dare do that, right? You've got that clown, Chris Cuomo, out there saying that he chipped a tooth. He was shattering so hard his teeth. And you've got complete jerk-offs like Brian Stetler over at uh, CNN saying that he crawled in bed and cried because he was so scared. And you have idiots in the media saying, oh, yes, see, this is an example of how we're all affected. Bullshit. You're clowns trying to get the three-room circus jazzed up even more. You're poking the tigers. You're abusing the elephants. You're making sure that the kangaroos are fucking the bearded lady out here. It's ridiculous. Knock it off. Now, of course, all this madness has culminated in some horrible government actions to continue. Like, for example, how about Ilhan Omar going out and, and proposing a bill that would seize, seize property. We're not talking about property being seized under the worst possible uh, sort of eminent domain. We're talking about a woman literally saying that you have to cancel rents cancel mortgages, and that if you don't, if people want to try to collect those those monies, which by the way, who knows what their situation is. A lot of these people may have just bought a, uh, maybe they bought a duplex or a triplex and they're renting out part of it to pay their own mortgage, or they're making their living that way. They're putting their kids through school. They're buying their groceries, whatever it might be. We don't know these people's situations. You can't presume all landlords are just fabulously wealthy landowners. You know, it's not like the fucking landed gentry of old. But of course, it's not just Omar, it's, it's the squad morons, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Rashida Tlaib, Ayanna Presley, and some other progressive assholes. But they want to make sure that you cannot be charged late fees or penalties, nor have your credit scores downgraded. Now, that seems like it's something fairly reasonable, but I would rather that conversation happen between a lender, or not a lender, a uh, a, a property owner and the tenant on a one-to-one basis and not be handed out by government as a mandate when you don't know people's circumstances. I mean, for example, my boss has several uh, rental properties, uh, boss of my agency, which is completely crippled right now, but he's paying my salary, at least in part, because he's not taking any salary. He's making his money solely right now off a couple rental properties that he has. So if his renters stop paying him, he stops paying me. How would that work out? Oh, great. Well, hey, the government says that you don't have to pay rent and that there's no way to collect it. And if you violate that, number one, the renter can sue you. And number two, there's a 5,000 fine for the first offense, a 10,000 for the second offense. And if you violate it three more times, I guess this, and this probably could be, by the way, you trying to collect rent from three different renters. I'm sure they count as three strikes. Well, they charge you $50,000 and they can even seize your property. So just for reporting or asking tenants to pay rent or, or reporting these people to a credit reporting agency for not having paid their rent, they can take away your property. Absolutely ludicrous. So it's not just her, though. We have another example uh, of, you know, obviously people using this, the government using this to amp up surveillance systems. We now have the government talking about tracking people using uh, infrared to make, you know, to take their temperatures and see who's above the average temperature and I guess flag those people as they've done in other nations. We're also seeing Google and Apple talk about teaming up and having you download a, uh, a tracking app that can say whether or not you're associating and who you're associating with. I'll tell you who's not going to be updating their operating system. This guy. Two finger guns back at myself. And how about this? They also have, uh, you know, like de Blasio again in New York. He has put forth a hotline, you know, like a, a, you can send a picture in hotline to 
blatantly turn your neighbors in and report them for infractions. And I'm sure they must have something here in Los Angeles that's similar or some sort of police hotline exists. But Bill de Blasio really publicized his because, you know, he wants to he's got to compete with Cuomo for biggest douchebag in New York during this corona pandemic and at least effective management of the entire situation. So he's got the social social distancing tip line. The good news, though, is that this tip line has been completely overrun with people people sending pictures of their dicks in and sending Hitler memes and everything else because the greatest thing is it's anonymous, right? Because obviously you don't want to get ratted out for reporting your neighbors like, you know, like a good neighbor, douchebag is here. So you don't want to have it be tracked back to you. So it's an anonymous tip line and heroes, because not all heroes wear capes, heroes have been sending in dick pics and memes and drawings and pictures of Bill de Blasio taking it up the ass and everything else. And, you know, that's just delightful. You know, a lot of middle fingers have come in as well. Fantastic. Now, additionally, you're seeing people react in different ways to the ongoing shutdown of economies. I mean, we're seeing people in different uh, states like Michigan comes to mind, Michigan's horrible governor. Uh, I'm blanking on her name and I don't really care to look it up. I know it is Gretchen Whitmer. And I only remember because it's such an odd name. And oddly enough, Gretchen is something that my wife and I discussed naming our child. No offense to Gretchen's out there, but Gretchen's it's an odd name. Makes you think of gremlins. And then that makes me think of my fourth cousin. Uh, what's his name? I think it was Steve Gallagher. Yeah. Whatever, whoever his name is, oh, Zach Gallagher, Zach Gallagher, Zach Galligan. I don't know. I can't remember. Fourth cousin, many times removed, never met the guy, but he starred in Gremlins. So that's how I come, come here. Pure nepotism, everybody. But she's out there saying that these protesters are somehow the most evil people. And of course, you've got all these Democratic shitbags claiming that it's second right amendment people that are organizing all these protests. Now, that may or not be true, Right. I wouldn't be surprised if most of the people that are organizing protests against being forced to stay inside their homes are strict constitutionalists or have a basic love of their civil rights and freedoms and probably overlap somewhat with people that also think you should have the right to bear arms, as is also guaranteed by the Constitution. Is this mind-blowing to people? Do these Democrats not think that somehow those two things might conflate with each other? But to paint it as some sort of nefarious plot, oh, the gun people, it's all their fault. The NRA is behind all this. Just shut the fuck up. Can't it simply be that people are sick of staying in their houses, sick of being forced to wear masks in public and fined if they don't, forced to stay off beaches, which are, by the way, I don't see how an ocean should be something you can keep people out of. Like the guy that I, I think I talked about on the show before here in Los Angeles, a guy got given a fine for paddleboarding alone in the ocean. Jesus Christ. If it wasn't a paddleboard, I'd say, just keep on going deeper and deeper, man. International waters, get out there, have yourself a ball. But we're seeing this government overreach. We're seeing the surveillance state expand. I mean, Edward Snowden, is warning us against it, saying that this is this is everything they need. I mean, what more perfect circumstance? You already had the infrastructure put in place from all the terrorists and the war on terror and the blank check that was written to infringe on America's rights with no cost to it, just like this. The, any quote-unquote war, especially when it's not against a specific enemy, when it's not defined with parameters, right? We've got the war on terror has no definable parameters. Gives government a perfect blank check opportunity to do whatever the fuck it wants. 
Now we've got the quote, war on the coronavirus. Another blank check. I mean, Christ, four trillion already allocated. Two more trillion already being planned. God knows what's going to come next. But they have a undefinable parameter as far as what's next, as far as a plan of attack, as far as when do we decide how we've won? You know, Trump had released these guidelines for when states should open up, and some of them are fairly reasonable. Now, I say that in the context of a status mindset, mind you. I'm not saying that they're reasonable. I think we should be out there right now. I don't think anybody should have to wear a mask. I don't think any business should be closed down. I don't think anybody should be forced to stay at home. You can voluntarily do whatever you fucking want. But Trump made out these guidelines, and it's having drops in the rates, uh, measurable... Uh, decline and recommended social distancing, recommended essential travel. I like that. Recommended, right? Not enforceable, not finable, but recommended. So at least there's a slight motion towards opening things up. But at the same time, he could change those guidelines in an instant, can't he? We can extend this forever. We can find any excuse. I mean, Christ, we we're talking about that. Again, I don't, I don't think I included this in the clip, but this report that there was a quote-unquote hotbed that the media was all up in arms about in South Dakota. Because how dare South Dakota decide that they don't want to shut down their entire goddamn state economy because of a virus? And what happened? Well, one meatpacking plant had the virus spread around it, which, by the way, would have been an essential business anyway and would have been open anyway, and they're already taking precautions anyway by having people wear masks and gloves. It still got in there. It spread. It infected the workers there. Media reported as though it was some catastrophe. Oh, my God, South Dakota, look at these jerk-offs that didn't obey the social distancing and didn't shut their economy down and force people to stay inside. Well, now there's a quote-unquote hotbed. No, there was not a hotbed. There was one company and one factory that had a lot of people get infected because they were within there. Now, within that factory, I would bet you that 99.9% of the people were just fine. Unless they had people that were suffering from cancer in there. Unless they had people that were exceptionally elderly in there. Unless they had people that were exceptionally overweight in there. Otherwise, probably just peachy keen. But the way it's been reporting, I could see the government saying, oh, we've got a new outbreak. We got to clamp down again. We have to make sure we have the surveillance system extend itself. We can't have anybody walking around without us monitoring them with temperature (laughs) temperature, uh, taking drones, which, by the way, do exist and have been used in other nations, as I had mentioned. Yeah. All right, guys. Once again, I want to tell you about my favorite podcast not named Electric Liberty Land. And that is my buddy Dan Smots over at the System Is Down podcast, which you can go and listen to on any of your favorite podcasting platforms. Now, Dan is also the man famous for designing our T-shirts, our logos, hilarious graphics that you see pop up in our Lions of Liberty forum. He's been a longtime supporter and listener. Uh, and also, guess, we do a show together. He, Howie Snowden, Remzo Martinez, John Odermatt, and I called the Legion of Liberty Doom, which is for our Patreon subscribers. And of course, Dan has his own Patreon subscribers too, called the Downers Club. But Dan brings it in as far as looking at the greater panoply of what's going on in the world, not just libertarian issues, although he is libertarian, but also looking at a lot of conspiracies, looking at whether or not we landed on the moon, touching on taboo topics, including everything from witchcraft to uh, whether or not uh, Hillary Clinton's a lizard person. I may be making shit up a little bit here, but 
It's a really fun podcast. He's a very funny guy, and I can't recommend it enough. Check out The System Is Down, and you can find him online at tsidpod.com. The System Is Down pod, tsidpod.com. Give it a go. All right, welcome back to Electric Liberty Land, episode number 173. Again, the show notes for today's episode are at lionsofliberty.com forward slash ELL173. Guys, and by the way, if you missed last week's episode, make sure to go back and listen to that. I had Libertarian uh, Tiger King, Libertarian Josh Dial on the show. He was a lot of fun, very forthcoming and interesting, clarified where he's at politically. Uh, Also talked about somewhat comedically because people did remind me a little bit that I said to Josh, I go, look, I don't want to bring up the trauma of you seeing Travis kill himself. And then like a minute later, I was like, so tell me about that. (laughs) Tell me about that. That guy shooting himself in the head. What was that like? So anyway, eh, sorry to Josh, but you know, my people want to hear what they want to hear. So check that out. It was an awesome interview and uh, I'm hoping people will get back around to it. I know it's been odd looking at the numbers lately because we've been putting out a lot more content. So our numbers are up downloads wise over the the past month and a half or so overall, but the individual episodes, which used to be about, I'd say we used to get about a thousand more downloads per episode. So we're trying to figure out if that's just you guys not listening to as many podcasts. I know a lot of people are much farther behind than they usually are. I know myself, I'm farther behind on my podcast, having not gone to the gym, not going, not driving places, not working as much and, and that type of thing, having more time with the family at home. Um, so I'm curious to see if you guys are going to catch those up for us. I highly recommend that you do and that you make us the priority. Fuck those other podcasts. We are number one. Ramses is number one. His mouth is number one. His lips are number one. His muscles are number one. Um, Nacho Libre, underrated movie. Highly recommend it. Okay, we're back in the show. I want to play a little bit of Trump. <laughs> Or jump. Okay, so let's get into it. Of course, this is basically just a take on the Rand Pauluses and Minuses game. Although the two happen to overlap here in what, uh, we'll just have to see what grade it gets. But Rand Paul has been appointed to be on the task force for reopening the economy uh, by Donald Trump. Now, It's interesting. Again, the relationship between Donald Trump and Rand Paul, I think, is very telling into who Trump is as a person. I, of course, have many issues with Trump that seem to be growing by the second. However, one of the things I've said before, and I'll say it again, is that I do appreciate his relationship with Rand Paul. And I do think that it's a little bit telling as as far as what kind of guy Trump is. Well, we see a lot of the bluster come out of him. I don't think that he is hardcore and ideologue one way or the other. I don't think that, and again, whether this is good or bad, I don't know, but he seems to have a moral and a political compass that is malleable. Now, obviously with politicians, we tend to criticize people that flip-flop or that change their minds or opinions, but I do think that that is important characteristic to have when you're presented with certain facts, when you're presented with a certain point of view that should change the way you think about things. Rand Paul clearly has his ear, and I think that it's a fantastic thing that Rand Paul has been appointed to the Committee on 
reopening the economy because Rand Paul probably knows more about economics than any of these other assholes in the Senate, no matter how many years they've been there. Because these people, I mean, Christ, again, Maxine Waters is on like the goddamn, I can't, oh God, what is it? She's on some sort of really high banking commission. And it's just absurd, absurd. She's a moron. So good on Donald Trump. Rand Paul said, (laughs) I am pleased to be joining the bipartisan task force on reopening the economy. Uh, Together with President Trump, we will get this economy roaring once again. How can you not give that a Trump? And for saying roaring, Apollos. (laughs) Uh, So there you go. Anyway, um, you know, again, Rand Paul hopefully will be able to do this in a manner that'll be expeditious. Expeditious? Is that a word? Like uh, speeding things up. Expeditious? That seems like expedition, like you're going to go out on an expedition. Expedite, of course, is to make something faster. I don't know. I may have just made up a word. If so, uh, I'm going to trademark that. <laughs> I know you guys don't like that, but I'm going to do it. Uh, anyway, Rand Paul will help to expedite the reopening of the economy and do it in a way which hopefully would emphasize deregulation, would emphasize freedom, would emphasize small businesses being unshackled, big businesses being unshackled, uh, would eliminate a lot of the uh, addition of pork that we see in a lot of these bills to get passed and just be able to do whatever they can do without having to involve all of these goddamn vipers and vultures that want to attack on their own personal, personal points of view. And like the uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez's of the world, who want to force through the new green deal and are celebrating the crashing of oil. Now, I don't know if you guys saw that, but oil now, at least oil futures crash so hard because there has been no demand. Everybody's at home. No one's driving anywhere. No one's shipping anywhere. So now you literally have shipping containers in the middle of the ocean that have nowhere to go because no one's buying the oil. Some of the gas stations have the storage space. It really comes down to storage space. If you've been paying attention here in that the oil producers have to keep producing. They're running out of barrels. They're running out of places to put them. All the oil tankers that are across the world now, like if you're if you have an oil tanker company, like a publicly traded one, that stock is through the roof now because there is no, no greater demand than having a giant super tanker that can haul this oil to put this on because it's hard to cap off an oil well. I don't know if you guys know that. I don't know if you remember back in the Iraq war, hard to cap off these oils, oil uh, spouts once they're going. And... There ain't nowhere to put this shit. We'll have to frack them back in the ground. <laughs> Would that make the environmentalists happy or sad if we refract it? Odie, you're, if you're listening, uh, can we do that? Is it possible? Is it feasible? I know you work in that industry. Anyway, uh, but Ocasio-Cortez is celebrating that oil is so low, right? And even though this is obviously going to... The broader implication of this is not just that it's a great thing that oil is so cheap that it has nowhere to go. That's really a horrible thing because that means no one's going to work. No one's using it. All the industries have shut down. Not great. Not great for anybody. And of course, Ocasio-Cortez uses this to push the new green deal, shrieking in celebration over this shit and saying that we need to use this as a reason to create brand new jobs and create a green economy. Several problems with that. Number one, moron, we can't do that because you need those fossil fuels to create that industry in the first place. What do you think you're going to use to build that industry out, to make all the steel, to make all the plastic, to make all the tools that you need to get the job done? You have to still use your your fossil fuels to do that, number one. Number two, there's no way to have a green economy like that because there's no backup fuel system in place. 
Fossil fuels are storable. That's the whole good thing about fossil fuels. The green industry doesn't have the battery reserve. It would be astronomically expensive to do. It's impossible to do at this current state in time. We need to keep on fossil fuels, period. Every backup generator for all of these systems you want to put into place is fossil fuels based. Number three, why you, you want to get people out to create these jobs? We're still shut down. It would defeat the point. You can't create them if everybody's locked up in their houses. Once they're not in their houses anymore, they're going to go right back to fossil fuels. So, I, I mean, in what world does this woman's brain operate where any of this shit makes any sense? You're going to use low-cost oil to create a new expensive system? If anything, the best thing for all people in all economic strata from first world through seventh world countries is to have cheap, plentiful oil that people can use to build out their societies. And then maybe one day we can transition over to your new green tech when it's ready. And once everyone's had a chance to use the cheap, abundant fossil fuels that we have. Anyway, she's a moron. So Rand Paul hopefully will be in there to slap people down to avoid having to go through. And it's funny to say this, uh, you know, again, as a libertarian who advocates against executive power, but goddamn, when we're talking about economic steps that have been so crippling, so debt creating for this nation, I have to say, if Rand Paul is going to be helping out, if executive power, executive actions are going to get us back on track and avoid more depth of spending and more regulations and more special programs and forcing landlords not to charge any goddamn rent or report their tenants for doing shitty things, well, got to put a vote in that column right now. You know, that's the thing, too. When we're talking about libertarianism, guys, I try to be as pure as I can. But it's also folly to simply operate within that specific worldview and not have to say, okay, what are we looking at right now? You know, it's kind of like uh, Lou Rockwell, or not Lou Rockwell. Uh, it's kind of like, oh my God, I'm blanking on his name. Oh, the professor. The professor with the, the glasses. Anyway, I apologize to him. I can't remember. <laughs> anyway, voting for, uh, you know, dictator goody or dictator baddie. And I'm sure as soon as I end this goddamn podcast, I, I'm just going to look it up. It's going to fucking piss me off and I'm going to do him a disservice. Hold on. God, the funny thing is I drafted him on my fucking Liberty draft team too. And now Walter Block, Walter goddamn Block. Okay. Anyway, Walter Block, you know, voting for dictator goody or dictator baddie and taking the best scenario at the time. That's what I'm looking at right now. So don't fucking at me. Don't tweet at me. Don't tell me I'm not a real fucking libertarian or any of that other hacky bullshit that doesn't serve anybody in any way. Because in times like this, you got to look at what's going to get us back on track the fastest. And I'm hoping that Rand Paul and executive actions are going to stem the open gushing wound that we've created through government action during this time. So get at it, Rand Paul. Now, on the downside of things is that the Trump administration gave $55 million to a company named Panthera, which, of course, makes me think it's some sort of spinoff of the Thundercats. Thundercats, ho! Yeah, so $55 million for this company to produce N95 masks. Now, this company has no background producing these masks. They were, I guess, military defense contractors. Their parent company went tits up in 2018 and declared for bankruptcy. Now, none of that means that they can't do it. 
But what's pretty suspect is the fact that the government has contracted this company to pay them $5.50 per mask when other companies have been creating them for something like 63 cents a mask, which makes far more sense considering they're thin pieces of easily uh, obtainable material sewn into a certain shape, etc. Now, on top of this all, is that Panthera doesn't even plan on manufacturing them themselves. They actually plan on outsourcing the mask. So if you're tracing things and how these things are working out math-wise, the government's going to hire Panthera, $55 million, to produce masks, which they're not actually going to produce. They're actually going to buy them from a third-party vendor that's another military contractor at a lower cost, then resell them to the government at a higher cost, adding on their own profit. Isn't that adorable? Doesn't that make you warm and cuddly inside? But the thing is, it's not to shit on companies that are trying to take some, you know, take some action to provide a supply during a shortage. I know, you know, Mark, uh, one of the companies that he knows, I can't remember, it might have even been a guy that was on the podcast before, has a company, said, I'm going to make masks. I thought, you know, they're going to be more expensive, but it's during a shortage. I think I paid Mark's like, you know, $4 a mask or something like that. And I got like four masks. Fine. There's a shortage. I'll pay that. No problem. I got the mask quickly and easily. This company is not providing the mask until May 1st. By that time, who knows how many we're even going to need, right? I don't know if we're going to need $55 million worth of masks at that point in time, especially considering the fact that it seems like demand's going to drastically drop. But it certainly reminds me of like the ventilator issue, where all these companies are now producing ventilators. And meanwhile, half the data that we're getting in is saying that people, when put on ventilators, die 80% of the time. And they don't know if the ventilators are making it infinitely worse, but there's certainly a lot of evidence to say that no matter what, they provide long-lasting damage to your lungs regardless. And that the damage that those ventilators are doing to your lungs may be hastening your death from COVID. So now we're going to have a shit ton of ventilators that the government's bought. We're going to have a shit ton of masks that the government's bought. And they're paying vastly over the market demand for them or the, or the market price for them. I mean, if other companies are paying 63 or are being paid 63 cents for them, why does Panthera get $5.50? The answer, ah, they're part of the military industrial complex. So just like we've seen time and time again, where Blackwater, you know, is like you know, charging a $5 for every nail that they're using over in Iraq at times. And then it was like that famous $500 hammer instance. These things are not unusual. Government's incompetent. Government doesn't know how to negotiate. FEMA's utterly incompetent. That's who's running this fucking shit show. So why would we not expect fraud and abuse fraught throughout the system? Just like everything else the government touches. So on that, we get a big a dump. Well, let's circle back to atrocities that are being committed under the smokescreen of the coronavirus. Let's chuckle back to Beijing. Oh, yes. Good old China, who, of course, has been lying about the infection rate, lying about their death rate, lying about everything since the very beginning on this. They are now using the coronavirus and the worldwide distraction it provides to crack down on Hong Kong. Now, you'll remember on previous episodes, I covered the protests in Hong Kong. I covered how China was cracking down on these people for their basic freedoms, how they were threatening to extradite people from Hong Kong for financial infractions that would not be illegal under Hong Kong law. And of course, it's supposed to be two different systems, one nation, and Beijing was supposed to respect that, at least for another, I think, 10 or 20 years or something like that. 
This is all negotiated in when they took Hong Kong back from the British. Uh, and again, also Hong Kong became one of the world's most traveled, most important financial hubs based upon being left alone by China, being left to operate and being a, a place where you could have free speech and have free trade. Now, Beijing has tightened down on all of these pro-democracy people, including 181-year-old Martin Lee. He's a senior barrister and the grandfather, so says this New York Post article written by Benedict Rogers, who I guess is a personal friend of this man, but he's a, uh, a prominent pro-democracy politician. Of course, they arrested him on what they're calling bogus charges. They also have disappeared anti-regime booksellers, pro-democracy legislators. They put pressure on academic and media freedoms and also a law criminalizing perceived insults to the national anthem and expulsion of foreign activists and journalists, as well as arresting protesters. Now, of course, during this time, you don't have the mass protests that were going on because those mass protests in Hong Kong brought the world's eye to them. They were a great public relations tactic and really why <coughs> you can't outlaw public protests as they're trying to do, by the way, like these dickheads in Raleigh, North Carolina, I think, had said that the right to protest was not a protected right. Not during this time anyway. Bullshit. And by the way, I think I'm going to be attending the May 1st demonstration here in Los Angeles. I know uh, Angela McArdle, friend of ours, is, uh, is being involved in organizing that libertarian standpoint of getting out and saying, free up the economy, no more stay-at-home nonsense, let's end this. So I think I'll probably take part in that unless my wife really castrates my nuts because of the baby. Again, this damn baby, keeping this baby safe, ruining my chances to go out and be a, a real curmudgeon. So- Anyway, the protests, which were massive and which sometimes were violent, drew the public's eye. And China is very cognizant of the fact that it cannot have another uh, instance like the tanks running over the students, right? Can't have another one of those. People in the world will not take it lightly, nor will they take it kindly. And China already, of course, is suspect. I think that China's reputation, China's ability to operate is going to be uh, deeply damaged. After this, even though they can provide cheap labor, even though they can provide cheap products, I think that people are going to look to readjust. I know Japan, top of that list, and America is probably following very closely, are looking to readjust where they're getting global supplies from. However, they're using this opportunity with the mass protest basically dead as people are quarantined, staying inside their houses for fear. And I'm sure their media is just as shitty as our media as far as spreading this, this propaganda and trying to inflame people's fear and anxiety over getting sick, even though it seems that it's utter nonsense and everybody's already had it. But China's using this opportunity to go in, no resistance, take people out, extradite them, arrest them on phony charges, trump them back out to, uh, to Beijing, and then have their way with them. So utterly despicable. But is there anything surprising about this? I mean, this is what government always does. Why do you think we have all these wars going on? Why do you think we have all these distractions? Why do you think the media is arm in arm with the government as much as they pretend to hate Donald Trump? And I'm sure they do. They're more than happy to have him and use him as distraction. And the government is more than happy to give the media ample distractions to write about, to go off and wag the dogs, they say, and have these wars, which the media then covers, to cover up all the different atrocities at home, all the secret spying, all the torture, all the, uh, the, the civil rights that are being removed all the financial hocus-pocus that's going on. All of this, perfectly happy to uh, to have these 
these distractions, these viruses pop up now and then. And people have pointed out, and accurately so, that these things tend to pop up for a couple of years and distract us. And people tend to buy into the hook, line, and sinker, as we're seeing right now. Turn on their fellow man, no problem. But it's not just government that's reacting badly to this. Uh, Amazon also suspended more than 6,000 sellers for quote-unquote price gouging during the coronavirus. Now, I said, you know, that asshole had bought up all the hand sanitizer in the, uh, you know, whatever, a statewide region and was selling it. I didn't really have a problem with Amazon telling that guy to go fuck himself because honestly, that guy's an asshole. He's an asshole. Um, However, you know, as a private company, I, I can respect that. The problem is, though, when you start widely doing this and widely banning all these people, you're going to adversely affect a marketplace that needs to exist. 6,000 sellers is a pretty high number of people. Now, granted, I don't know how many people are out there nationwide selling these particular products. You know, it's obviously things like paper towels and diapers and all that other shit. And I can tell you, uh, we've had a, a lot of problem trying to get like these cotton ass wipes for our kid. It's a big pain in the fucking ass. But at the same time, I'd rather be able to have somebody sell them to me at twice the original cost than have to wait eight weeks to get them, which is what it turned out to be. In the meantime, I'm just there, you know, spitting and blowing on my baby's butthole, which sounds perverted, but it's not. Got the job done. But anyway, price gouging is a myth, okay? If people aren't going to pay the price they're charging, they will lower the price. The market will figure out an answer to that. And the people that panic buy like assholes and idiots and decide that they're going to pay $20 for a roll of paper towels, well, those people deserve to be gouged. Those people are morons. They're going to learn a valuable lesson, and that's you should wait and let the market operate. If you don't rush out and buy all the shit immediately and have a panic buy, then it'll be there cheaper available for everybody. Let the people gouge. Let my people gouge. Or let them eat ice cream like Nancy Pelosi. Another idiotic response to the coronavirus. Germany has already canceled, pre-canceled the Oktoberfest. Now, you know what's funny about Oktoberfest is it happens in fucking October. Actually, it happens late September through October, early October, right? It brings in billions of dollars to Munich, and yet they are proactively and preemptively canceling it. What's going to happen when we find out that just as we're seeing here, everybody in Germany already has it? And oops, all of those numbers for coronavirus go down. And oops, everybody's already got herd immunity. What are you going to do now? You're going you're gonna to move it back? November fest? September fest? Or December fest? Let's just make it drunk Christmas. I'm all for that anyway. I would gladly have drunken, drunken Christmas chugging dark beer in Germany. But at the same time, this kind of action is what we've seen time and time again over the, over the course of this coronavirus pandemic from government. Stop fucking canceling shit like this. Leave it alone. Let it play out. Or let people voluntarily go on their own volition and decide whether that risk is worth it to them. You should not be canceling this event, government. Especially not five months down the road when no one knows what's going to be happening during this. Absolutely asinine. All right, let's wrap it up. One more real big asinine thing here, uh, everybody. And then we're going to wrap this show up. A little bit of a shorter show today, but uh, I, I tell you, man, I, I don't know where the I don't know where the hours go. <laughs> I don't I don't know how. It's like I think it's just between all the things I'm working on and having the baby here, and it, like 
the wife and I, everybody's home. You know, it, as of right now, actually, May, May 1st, we're supposed to have the kid in daycare, but we're not going to put her in right now. Number one, because, you know, why? There's, you know, we're both quarantined at home anyway. There's no reason to spend the money, uh, even though we've already prepaid for the first month. But also just, you know, I guess from my wife's point of view, safer and not just for coronavirus, right? Because I'm not really that concerned about it. Not so much for coronavirus, but just in general, there's a lot of diseases passed around between kids at daycares. And we figure right now with the hospitals as they are, even though, by the way, I've seen this from a lot of a lot of different places, as well as a friend of mine who's a doctor. All these hospitals hired on a bunch of people and now they're just standing around like assholes. Because other than in very specific cities like New York City or maybe a couple small hot zones, mostly they're just standing around. It's just like all those field hospitals, though, the military came in and they opened up a field hospital in Washington. Know how many people came in that hospital? A tent hospital they set up with, you know, 75, 100 beds, zero, absolutely nobody. Not one single person had to go in there. So now they hire on the staff and they're like, oh, we don't need you. Sorry, you're furloughed again. (laughs) Isn't that great? Incurred a bunch of debt just to hire these people on for no good reason. Anyway, okay, uh, I got off track. So anyway, I don't know where the hours goes, guys. So, but uh, this is the last story I've got. And honestly, there's it's just like every story is COVID shit, and I'm just sick of talking about it. So let's wrap it up with a totally non-COVID topic, a Harvard professor who is our idiot of the week. And that is a woman who wrote an essay for Harvard Magazine, a professor of law and the director for Harvard Law School's Child Advocacy Clinic, named... uh, Where the fuck? God damn this. Just mumbling myself. Pisses me off, fucking Daily Wire. It's like, I'm reading this article in real time so I can get the quote out of it. And it tells about this woman without saying her name for four paragraphs. Actually, no. Hold on, let me count them right now. One, two, three, four. Yes, four paragraphs down. I have to go to get this woman's name. Asinine writing, Daily Wire. Fire your editor. Anyway, Professor Elizabeth Bartolet, who is trying to demonize and honestly advocating for banning of homeschools. Why? Oh, because, quote, many homeschools precisely, many homeschool, excuse me, precisely because they want to isolate their children from ideas and values central to public education and to our democracy. Many promote racial segregation and female subservience. Many question science. Many are determined to keep their children from exposure to views that might enable autonomous choice about their future lives. Now, is there anything more hypocritical and ironic than a woman saying that people that homeschool are somehow depriving their children of exposure to different views or enabling anonymous autonomous choice in their future lives? I mean, we're talking about public school where there is no dissension in the ranks of what is taught, where there is no outside viewpoint other than what the state prescribes to you, although there is no autonomy in any way. I mean, Christ, you are a machine. You are literally a fucking part in a machine. If you try to be autonomous, you are bashed down like a -a whack-a-mole. But this moron... This woman is saying that homeschooling needs to be banned because not only because of those things that they're, how dare they challenge values central to public education, right? The same education that's given us children that are duller than they were by, uh, you know, by 40% compared to 50 years ago with higher dropout rates with a performance level that is abysmal compared to how much we spend on them, which is a high rate outflanking literally every other nation. Not only that, this woman provides absolutely zero 
substantial background information, statistics, studies to say why she thinks that these people somehow are racist, that they're white nationalists, that they're that their women are subservient in their viewpoints. We have a lot of people that listen to this podcast that are members of the Lions of Liberty Forum, which, by the way, go type in Lions of Liberty on Facebook. Come join our forum. Tell people I sent you. Well, tell me I sent you because we ask you the questions to get in our forum. We don't let every asshole in there. So we have many people that homeschool. Ben Pangy of the Homeschools and Homesteads podcast, obviously homeschools, as do many people. His wife's not subservient. I mean, this is the viewpoint of the goddamn leftist elitists that don't understand why people would want to have their children outside of this education system, and they can't fathom it. So what do you do when you can't understand something? You demonize it. You make up whatever's going to make sure that people hate it as much as you do. Doesn't have to be based in truth, just has to make them feel angry. And that's what this fucking bitch is doing. There is zero evidence. Zero evidence, other than she says that a lot of these people come from deeply Christian belief systems. I'm sorry, is it deeply Christian to have subservient women? Is it deeply Christian to hate other races? Is it deeply Christian to uh, to be white supremacists? I mean, what the fuck are you talking about, lady? The only thing that's upsetting here is this woman and this point of view that she has, which is so absolutely ignorant. And she's at one of these institutions Harvard, which is one of the most respected in the world. Oh, yeah. You know who else worked at Harvard? Fake Indian Elizabeth Warren. Maybe Harvard needs to start rethinking its standards. Maybe start vetting its employees a little bit better. Okay. Bam. That's going to wrap it up for this episode, guys. Uh, Once again, I want to remind you at the end of this show to listen to Mark Clare on our flagship Lions of Liberty podcast. It's the longest running show on our little podcast variety show network here. And uh, he has had on fantastic people, leaders in the liberty movement. Last episode was a pretty fun one. He had Bird and Carr on there, as well as Howie Snowden. And Dexter LaPaz of the Gaslight Hour. And they were talking about everything from Freemasonry to Satanism and 420 stuff. So that was pretty interesting. Uh, And of course, you got me on Wednesdays and then John Odermatt with Felony Fridays. Do go back and listen to Friday's episode, which was fascinating. An interview with a guy talking from inside of a Mississippi prison. And he was telling us all, or is it Missouri? I can't fucking remember. I think it was Mississippi. Anyway, uh, he was in the Mississippi prison talking about the situations and the conditions there with COVID. I was pretty scary inside, mostly because news blackouts were happening. They're quarantining people in wings and not telling them anything about what's happening in there and just eating undercooked chicken. That's uh, horrible. So check that out. Uh, and yeah, go to Patreon, support us, guys. Again, you can still get the lions, or I'm sorry, the tigers of Liberty t-shirt with us as the Tiger King main characters. Once you see me as Joe Exotic, you can never unsee it. And it is a collector's item that you will definitely want to be showing off at your next Libertarian gathering, whenever that may be. Okay. From me, Brian McWilliams from the Lions of Liberty and from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged into Liberty.